The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. Football season is here, and it's time to dominate the competition with your fantasy picks. And R.J. Bell's Dream Preview on Podcast One Sportsnet is your secret weapon to victory. I said the fact they didn't run it up in week one tells me this guy is so confident he wants to hide his strength. No matter the matchup, R.J.'s got you handled with top-notch analysis for the best NFL picks around. Now, is that true or not? I don't know. Very optimistic. Download R.J. Bell's Dream Preview every week on Apple Podcasts and podcast1.com. Hey guys, exciting football action continues on and Daily Fantasy at Yahoo is better than ever this year. Yahoo Daily Fantasy just released a $500,000 contest, the $500,000 baller, that has a first place prize of $50,000. You got to check this out today. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cash. Get started right now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy that's yahoo.com slash daily fantasy and when you make your first deposit use promo code pod 25 pod 25 that's 25 dollars in free play so promo code pod 25 pod 25 promo code for 25 dollars in free play Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzolo here with Sam Monson. What's up, buddy? True. Fact. Yeah, we're here together. Uh-huh. I'm wearing green for you today because uh, the Ireland won the won the rugby. We did. We beat Russia. Was it 35 nothing? 35 nothing. Sloppy 35 nothing win it, though. It was. Yeah. You know, tough that's conditions. Good. That's tough right. conditions. And Kobe. So what's up next for us? Team Ireland. Uh, Samoa. Really? Yeah. Oh boy. Big hitter Samoa. Oh, yeah, they're tough. Yeah, strong, tough. physical. Physical team, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I watched a little bit with you. It was like um, George and Eric would hate it. Yeah? It's just like three yards in a cloud of dust, nonstop. A lot of run game. A lot of run game. <laughs> There's no way that's efficient in rugby. Why don't they pass the ball? Well, they do. you gotta, you got to establish the run first, Steve. Oh. you got to grind them up the middle for a bit, and then you can fling it wide. And that is go. not my type of game. No. I think I've watched six run plays in the NFL this season, thanks to those guys. <laughs> just kidding. We analyze every play here at PFF, but... Yeah. Yeah. Pass game. I've Wins. done it again, by the way. I'm too dark for the background. I keep forgetting that we moved to this 
his black background. You figure out you get you are kind of like matching the color scheme so, now. But at least I've got to shade up, right? Last time I was like black, so I basically blended in. This time there's at least I'm it's brown, but I'm I'm it's still pretty pretty bad. I'm the opposite. Well, yeah, you you stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah, certainly do. In pretty much all walks of life, to be honest. Hmm. I mean, you're nine foot tall. I'm a big time throws mug, Palazzola for GM shirt. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm. You were just like snacking on biscuits and stuff before we came in. Those are cookies for uh, Americans. Yeah, they're not really though. They're like there was a biscuit tin. There was a there was an assortment. Yeah. And uh, I love when the office gets an assortment of goodies. We've got a lot of good things recently. Somebody brought in donuts the other day. Sometimes there's too much in the same day. I know. They need to spread them out. Not not that I'm complaining, but the like snacks are good. Neil's trying to crack down on the unhealthy snacks. He really is. It's not, it's not good for the work environment. Well, he doesn't want to pay for the unhealthy snacks with company funds. He doesn't mind, like, dipping into his own pocket. So now we have to get him. He's basically gambling for Fritos, right? Because all we want here is Fritos. Right. And if he loses his bet, he has to cough up boxes of Fritos, which he's perfectly happy to do. He just doesn't want to pay for it through company funds. But if we lose, we don't get our Fritos. I don't even care that much about Fritos. I'm just fighting for the, the right to have unhealthy snacks. I just want. On the company dime. I just want salty snacks here. So that's what we're battling for. Anyway, we're previewing week five. Yes. We're also live on YouTube. Hello to all of our YouTube viewers. So um, what do you want to do on the Thursday game here? Well, we've we, we, we abandoned, right. we abandoned the future predicting thing. It turns out right. we were bad at it this year. I don't know whether it was like, you know, whether it was like a year long. It's just a lot of pressure. Thing. Seeing the future is a lot of pressure. So. Uh, let's go Rams at, Rams at Seahawks. It's the Thursday night game. If you're watching live, we're going to watch it tonight. If you're listening on Friday, you already watched the game. But what are your pregame thoughts on Rams Seahawks? It's one of your better Thursday night games of the season. In theory, though they don't always work out that way. Um, I'm fascinated to see can the Seahawks defense cover Cooper Cup at all. Um, he's wrecking people from the slot this year so far. It's a play where he absolutely destroyed Marshawn Lattimore a couple weeks back. I've rumbled his way. Did he get a touchdown on that, or was he stopped just No, short? he was stopped just Down short. inside the one. Yeah. Nobody loves anything more than officials love calling people down inside the one. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he's absolutely amazing right now, and the Seahawks defense isn't what it once was, so I think that's a pretty big mismatch in Los Angeles' favor. And then the other thing is that Rams offensive line is, is really bad. Yeah, you really wrote about bad. them this week. Yeah. Any, uh, any highlights from your PFF.com article that you want to cite here? Right now, through four games, they have the lowest PFF grade as an offensive line in the NFL. So that is unexpected. We just saw the Cincinnati Bengals get abused on Monday Night Football. They're worse than that. Um, we've seen the Miami Dolphins actively trying to tank, throwing out any old stooge in the offensive line. They're worse than that. Um, the Chargers have a bad offensive line, but it's like regular bad. They don't even appear in the bottom five. Like the Rams offensive line right now is Andrew Whitworth and four sacks of flour. Um, Whitworth's our age. Well, yeah, and and he's finally starting to look it, right? He's like his grading. Not not completely, but yeah. His grade right now is like 20 points lower than it usually is. So Whitworth's playing badly for him, and he's still playing way better than anybody else beside him. Their play action percentage is down about 8% going into this Thursday night game. So last year's narrative on the Rams is their O-line is playing well, but you could also say it's been protected a little bit by that outside zone play-action game and all that stuff. They're running a little bit less play-action because they're putting the ball in Goff's hands a little bit more. They've had to um, play in some shootouts a couple times. They've, They've played in some close games where maybe they haven't run the ball as much. I just wonder how much they need to be protected, right? Because they needed it. They were better last year, and they were better protected by the play-action game, and then this year... You know, 
they're not being protected and they're worse. Yeah. We, so. should, we should tease tomorrow, by the way. Oh, we're going to do something on Friday. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Jared Goff. Okay, that's what it is. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. So tease it. Uh, certain analysts out there have suggested that Jared Goff last week played the best they've ever seen them. Uh, we would suggest that is, um, what would we suggest it is? Not the case. Not the case. I was going to, yeah, okay. Not the case. Let's go with that. It's wrong. We were going to suggest it was both wrong and not the case. And we'll suggest that tomorrow in a, an entertaining way on our YouTube channel. Yes, we will. Much like we did last week with uh, Shannon Sharp. We're yes. Just, we'll just have some fun with it. It's not Shannon this time. It's a different person. With someone else. Mm-hmm. So we'll check it out on the YouTube channel. Uh, going into the game, I picked Seattle. Did you pick Seattle yes, as well? Yes, all of us did. Uh, no. Solomon picked the Rams, as did Austin. Um, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised either way. I'm going to go the opposite of predicting. I'm just... I, could see either one. Who's winning. winning here? Am I winning? No, we're tied. I am. We're tied. Uh, it's not what the score says. Oh, really? Yeah. Score says I'm, I've got a game. Oh, no. I'm tied with Nathan. Me and Nathan are winning. You yep. are a game back. Nobody cares. So, Rams okay. at Seahawks. Enjoy Thursday night. And if you already saw it, glad you enjoyed it. So, moving on to the weekend, Sunday's games. We'll go through uh, each game one by one, get a little in-depth on some of the bigger ones. And one of the biggest games, the Green Bay Packers at... The Dallas Cowboys, Sam. What are you looking for in this one? Uh, so we were we all got a little bit ahead of ourselves, despite Brayski preaching for the first four weeks that you know don't do that. It's one week, it's two weeks. Sample size is big enough. Don't get carried away. We all kind of did it. it. Fits your narrative, right? We all kind of did it with the Kellen Moore thing. Kellen Moore's a genius. He's the most woke offensive coordinator in the NFL. Dude is solely responsible for this Dallas Cowboys offense cooking, and Dak Prescott looking like an MVP candidate. Only, Dak Prescott's grade has gotten worse every single week of the season so far. The Cowboys have dialed back on a lot of the stuff that was so far out and making, like, all the good stuff, play action, motion, all the things that were, like, ticking the boxes of the analytics, like, brain tree is all gone. Well, not gone, but it's dialed in the other direction. So the question is, right, is Kellen Moore actually that woke or... (laughs) We thought he was super woke in right. week one. Or were they doing that for a different reason? Like, did they were they trying to, I don't know, like, were the game plan specific? Was he trying to hide something? Whatever it is, he appears to be going away from it, and that's yeah. not good. I mean, look, we've all overreacted to things before. A year ago at this time, Sean McVay's a genius, and anybody who's ever had a beer with him is getting an NFL job. Now it's like, all right, now McVay's still really good, but nobody's infallible, right? right. There is There are ebbs and flows. There are adjustments to be made so if you're kellen moore right now there's not major problems with the dallas offense they had one game where they they had a tough time of it against a saints defense that's been pretty good the last couple years so i I think it's more of a question about did they just go did they go up against washington new york and miami in the first three games and then run into new orleans you know and then you know sometimes the game flow and things change or whatever it is so um, I think this will be a good one for him. It's a good test for both teams because the Packers have three games against bad offenses where we said, hey, I wonder if their defense is good or if it's because they ran into Mitchell Trubisky and Joe Flacco and Road Kirk Cousins. Road Kirk Cousins. And then they ran into Carson Wentz last week in a run game that uh, really torched them as, the, you know, just outmatch up to them, I guess, from a scheme standpoint. So this is a good test for the Packers defense as well. Kellen Moore against that Packers defense. I think that is obviously a key matchup, but one of the things I'll be watching closely. I like it. 
It's a fun defense, that Green Bay defense. We've got Jair Alexander playing like one of the best corners in the NFL. You know, we talked on the Monday podcast about guys like Kevin King playing surprisingly well. Darnell Savage looks really good. The Mike Patton is scheming up pressure really well. The only thing I don't like about this defense right now is that there is a ton of plays where they're not on the same page. Like, guys are misaligned. There's chaos in the secondary before right. the snap. We talked before about the crazy Jair Alexander play where they were misaligned and it was a mess. That's not the only time that's happened. Like, you basically see it a couple of times a game where the whole secondary is screaming at each other because somebody's in the wrong place. Right. Like, at some point, they need to get that straightened out. Otherwise, that's going to be a problem. The, so the Packers have an 82.4 coverage grade as a team. That's number four. But their run defense grade, fourth worst at 56 overall. So we always say, hey, that doesn't matter a whole lot. So if you're Dallas, so, so it matters a little bit. If you're, like, if you're cranking out five or six per carry like the Eagles did and not completely abandoning the pass, then that's a pretty good, I hate using the word balanced, but that's a balanced way to attack that defense. If you get sucked into trying to run 35 times, then eventually it's like, all right, you'll you're, you're leaving yards on the table by not passing. But this could be the game where Dallas maybe decides that they're going to rely on Zeke a little bit more, rely on that run game a little bit more because of what they see from the Packers. Is that a mistake if they get suckered into that? number? The fourth worst run defense by our grades, the Packers. Yeah, which is not great. Um, yeah. Where are we going? We, uh, we both. Oh, no, you went Green Bay. I went Dallas. You went Dallas. I went Dallas. I didn't feel great about the Green Bay pick. I think it's going to be a, a this a one good of the more one. even splits. We're, we're we, across the board as a group. We we've almost evenly split. What about Dallas's old line against that Packers D line and that pass rush? That should be pretty fun as well. That'll be good. And Aaron Rodgers. We can't. We got to dive in deep to this game. Can I keep Sam going Rumble? on this one. Yes. Okay. This is this is one of the games of the week. Wow. Fine. Do you even understand how our document works here? Not at all. No. All right. You don't even have the document open. What are you talking about? It's right here. I have tabs. Okay. It's tabbed. It's fine. Um, D-line. And then and Dallas is banged up up front. They're always banged up Tyron up Smith, unlikely to play. High ankle sprain. They had at practice yesterday. We'll see what happens. Lyle Collins wasn't at practice the other day. We'll see what happens with a couple guys up front. But with Ly- when, if Lyle Collins wasn't at practice or when he wasn't practicing, they had Connor Williams kicked out to right tackle. Suafila, not the worst plan. Filo at uh, guard, not ideal. So I mean, th- this goes from one of the best O lines to many question marks. There, I mean, that's always been the case, right? The second you go into the bench with this offensive line, things have not been good. Particularly when Tyron Smith is out, right? Like when they have to go to a backup left tackle, the wheels fall off immediately. And then you know, so to me, the biggest injury is Tyron Smith out for Dallas, and if Devontae Adams most likely out here yeah. for Green Bay. Who does Aaron Rodgers throw to? Because you've got guys that can cover in that Dallas secondary. Yeah. they. I mean, that's their biggest issue, whether Devontae Adams is there or not, is they don't have really a, a viable number two yet. They keep finding the odd play here and there, whether it's Geronimo, Geronimo Allison, whether it's Valdez Scantling. Like somebody shows up every week as the kind of the next guy that gets a few of those targets. But there's no binky. Right. There's no reliable secondary threat there. Um, and they don't appear to be able to find one. Like they're not, nobody is elevating themselves in the pack and actually becoming this uh, secondary target that they really need. Because otherwise you end up with that. You end, you end up with the Cincinnati offense, right? Which is AJ Green and nobody else. And they, they're at their best. They look good. 
when they're able to find second or third target. Like the Maybe they Packers should trade for A.J. Green. Or um, Stephon Diggs. Apparently that's or Stephon Diggs. That's on the market now. Well, they won't get or, Stephon uh, Diggs from Minnesota. I liked your idea before, Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, Sanders would be a good a good pickup for Green Bay. So, yeah, to me, the injuries are going to be a huge factor in this. Uh, because Not because one offensive lineman means a ton, but if it is Tyron Smith and there's a trickle-down effect or if Lyle Collins is ba- banged up, that that hurts. And from a wide receiver standpoint, yeah, losing the guy that you trust the most in Devontae Adams, are, you know, you want to get the ball out of Rodgers' hands. Maybe uh, Kellen Moore will go back to being woke now that he has to protect the offensive line. Perhaps. We get to run those splits without Tyron Smith, you know, like everybody's doing the without Zeke stuff. Because hmm. that was the bigger issue in 2017. It was, though I seem to remember doing that. And depending on what you looked at, they weren't actually that bad. Didn't get the right answer. Was, well, I mean, yeah. they did have that one game where he got sacked 100 times. Right, the Adrian Claiborne game was just like a complete total dumpster fire right but that's like one of those games that's in the well they didn't have zeke that game right that's what i mean that's so when you so the reason so the ones that were janky is when you tried to split without tyron but with zeke i didn't come back with numbers that made it look like tyron was a problem i gotcha all right so yeah i'm taking green bay i don't feel great about it this should be one of the games of the week though i was taking dallas and now i don't feel great about that either because you told me everybody's injured do you want to just flip them <laughs> we can I don't think, no, the, the the graphic is already out. It's in it's in the wild. We're yeah, sunk. Whatever. We'll just cross it off. It's too late. All right. Uh Tampa Bay Bucks at the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah. That's how that's how Big Al says it. I know. Welcome back to New Orleans. Yes. Nolans. No. Um James are the, is there a bigger difference in quarterback style <laughs> than Jameis Winston? And Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, Teddy makes me sad now. Um, he played the, better last week, ish. Ish. I, the Bucks look good now. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. It kind of came out of nowhere. Bruce Arians came out with a couple quotes this week. He said, "Look, my system it takes about eight, Three nine, weeks. ten weeks. No, oh. it actually takes them a while to to master." Um, here at PFF, we have. Former NFL coaches rolling through here quite a bit, mostly in the offseason, but even right now, guys that are kind of in between jobs, former NFL coaches. So they've been coming in a lot. We had a guy in just yesterday, and he wanted to watch Tampa Bay's offense. So he sat in the room, and we just watched every play. And he just kind of broke down what he saw. And it was it was it's always interesting to get those takes. But it was a lot of, hey, Bruce Arians is running his favorite running play, which is duo, and he's always trying to get the running back out on the – on the edge but we're watching Jameis and there's a lot of hey when he sees this look he should be going to this side of the field and then you then the ball snapped and it's like all right good job but there was a handful of plays where it's like Jameis what are you doing Jameis what are you doing and then there was one play where he's like all right here's the look there's no way he should throw with oh Jameis what what did you just do and it was the Marcus Peters interception that was the you know the pick six and um wasn't wasn't good so here's the thing, right? Teddy's completion percentage has gotten better every week. His PFF grade has gotten better every week. His passing grade has gotten better every week. His yardage is going up every week. And at that rate, by week 17, he'll be throwing almost as many yards as Patrick Mahomes does in a game. Oh, um, yeah, he's got, he's got like three more weeks to figure it out before Drew gets back, right? He's, he's, gone, <laughs> he's got 165 yards, 177, and then 193. Jeez. Like, didn't Patrick Mahomes almost hit? Didn't he pass 200 and a quarter a couple first, of weeks ago? First quarter of the first game he did that. Second yeah. quarter against the Raiders he did that. I mean. Assistant God. quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Stop it. Stop it, man. Sorry. That's a, I'm gonna need a, that's 12, a joke. It's not real. I'm going to need a nine-tweet apology from you as well. 
Uh, Do I have to say Patrick Mahomes is awesome, but there were some bad plays on film this year? Yeah. Every time? Yes. And you have to fit that into the 37-second clip that's going to circulate and make it look like you're not saying that. I just wish that we didn't have small samples. I wish we could just start at week 17 and have a full sample size and feel better about all of it. Anyway, um, in this game, I, I was talking about Jameis, and you went back to Teddy. I, we were talking about quarterbacks. Yeah. So Jameis is the most volatile quarterback in the NFL. Tons of positives, tons of negatives, and Teddy's probably the most conservative quarterback in the NFL right now. Certainly one of them. Yeah. Not as many negatives, although. That's the thing, not, right? Not that much downfield throwing. That's just, the he's problem. He's some throws, this too. Is still not, yeah. he, doesn't, he hasn't eliminated the negatives. If he was eliminating the negatives, we could talk. It might, mightn't be an issue, right? right. You, can, you can work around that. Like, but that's not what's happening. Teddy's still making bad throws and still missing passes and, and is completely um, against the idea of you know, threatening deep down the field ever. Right. So, so that'll be a, an interesting you know, difference in the two quarterbacks there. Then you got Chris Godwin for Tampa Bay. Um, some of the other stuff that stood out. Chris Godwin being awesome. Um, Mike Evans used to get the two big guys that are so tough to match up against. Marshawn Lattimore. You know, who's he covering? Right. And more to the point, is he going to be interested in this matchup? Because apparently that's what determines whether he's good or not, is whether Marshawn... He needs to be. Is he going to get up for this? Because Amari Cooper was enough to get him interested. Apparently, Nuke Hopkins, not so much. But to his credit, right, Nuke's not playing that well so far this year. Maybe he knew that coming in. He's like, you know what? I've watched the film. I saw, I saw, I've seen him in preseason and training camp. Did he even play in preseason? I've seen him in training camp practices. He doesn't look. He doesn't look the same guy. So I'm not interested in week one. That's what. But Amari Cooper. That's what happened. Amari Cooper's cooking in this new Dallas offense. Now I'm Jones. Now I'm ready to, to play. Maybe where, where does. Godwin's tearing it up. Right. So. so now we're going to get Marshawn Lattimore coming out again. You've got those two guys stretching the field. Uh, the other guy that kept showing up on film where we, set, where we started shaking our head was O.J. Howard. And in the run game in particular, just getting destroyed as a run blocker. I mean, he's been tough Terrible. to figure out. Yeah, because he went from not a great rookie year to really good last year to just right really good last year. year in sort of not small sample size but smaller than full time starter. It's like oh next year breakout candidate, real dominant, and now he's back to being terrible. Yeah, and this particular coach um, liked OJ Howard coming out, and he's looking at him saying, "Man, he looks like he's got confidence issues. He's not blocking the right guy." I mean, there have just been some some issues there uh, up front. So I think. When you talk about the Saints, you got the Saints defensive line. They have three edge defenders with at least 10 pressures and in the top uh, 30 and, you know, pass rushing grade. So you've got, you know, Davenport, Cam Jordan, Trey Hendricks, guys that can get after the quarterback. The Bucks put the O-line in some difficult situations at times. You got highly volatile Jameis with his receivers against Lattimore. There's a lot of great matchups on that side of the ball. And then on the other side, you've got aggressive Todd Bowles coming after you, after you and then uh, conservative Teddy. Did you see the hit that uh, Donovan Smith laid on Marcus Peters after yes. the interception, the pick six? Ridiculous. Now, okay, it was high, right? But that might be the best thing that Donovan Smith has done this year. In his career? Why don't we move him to defensive tackle? Well, then the Bucks won't have a left tackle. Do, I mean, they might have one as good as they have one right now. Yeah, I'm just saying those are some movement skills. He can lay a hit. Now you're gonna have to teach him. You know, get get a bit lower, lower the. You know, yeah. Don't aim for the helmet. That's not allowed anymore. But he can he can do some damage. He destroyed Peters on that play. I'm just saying, given what he's shown so far as a left tackle, I might want to see what he can do on the D line. And you can ease him into it, right? You can put him there as you know the special teams field goal block. 
and see if you can see if you can penetrate the gap on the, block the field goal. You're always thinking outside the box, right? And right. then if you're if he's still doing the same stuff there, well, now we can talk. Now we can, you know, we got a bye week coming up. We can see see what you can do in a week and a half. Can you learn a new position? Talk to the box. They might do it. So, um, yeah. What do you got in this one? I think, man, I'm having a tough. I don't think the Saints can win. With Teddy playing that way, with the with the pass game the way it's been, the last, I don't think they can, can do it again. I don't think they can right. consistently. I don't do think. That. I mean, they've been they've been riding their luck essentially with winning with Teddy, and now he has been getting slightly better every week. But if he doesn't get dramatically better, I don't. I can't see them winning consistently that way. And at yeah. this point, they've already. You know, <laughs> if you're flipping a coin as to whether they're going to win or not with Teddy, it's come down heads twice. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen again. So we're, we both picked Tampa Bay. Yeah. It's definitely going to be New Orleans. Probably. We said it the other day, like J- Jameis, cluster three, tier three quarterback, however yeah, you want to bet on him ever. Don't even pick him. Uh-huh. I'm just not going to pick. I'm going to call ties for all those games. Well, that doesn't seem like a great That's plan. That's not a good plan, yeah. Um, but we're both taking Tampa Bay yeah. in that one. Volatile quarterback. Will he come back to bite us? We'll see. And then um, Cleveland Browns at the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. After the this Browns rescued themselves. Football, right? Is it? I honestly don't. I think it is. I think you might be right. Stuff we should know. Yes. But it's stuff that doesn't truly matter when we're analyzing the game. Right. No, right. I think you're right, though. Yeah. Um, so Browns at 49ers. Uh, Bernie Kosar, Joe Montana matchup here. Wow. He went so, deep into the archives. Is that what it is? Um, Jimmy G and Baker Mayfield head to head. Yeah, and Baker's coming off the game that rescued everything. Yeah, Browns 49ers is Monday night. Colts Chiefs is Sunday night. The connection between those two, the Browns did actively try to trade for Jimmy G. Um, there were some rumors that Bill Belichick didn't want to drop Jimmy G in Cleveland for fear of... Uh, Ruining him. Yeah, ruining his career. He did send him to San Francisco to the 49ers, to Kyle Shanahan. So not care if they ruined him. Well, they wouldn't. He just trusted Kyle no. with his little guy. Okay. He's got, here's my little guy, Jimmy G. It's like taking your kid and sending him off to daycare. school or something. I was going to say you tell me the 49ers, the 49ers are, are Patriots daycare? Well, yeah, because when Brady retires in seven or eight years, they'll probably trade for Jimmy G back. That doesn't seem worth it in seven or eight years. He'll be about done. Uh, maybe not. Oh, did you see the story about Tom Brady's shoulder pads? No. Tom Brady's shoulder pads are 25 years old. Really? He's wearing the same pair that he wore his freshman year at the University of Michigan. Huh. Tom Brady's shoulder pads are older than five of his teammates. It's amazing. They're a year older than Jared Stidham. Wow. Right? Who got that story? What a scoop. Mike, uh, Mike Rice. Reese? Rice? Reese? Mike Reese. Is it not R-E-I? Yeah, it's Reese. R-E-I is right. Sam. It's Mike Reese. But that's how it's spelled. Mike Reese gets all the good stories. ESPN Boston. Anyway, fascinating. 25-year-old shoulder pads. <laughs> but apparently, so I was like, how, how can you possibly have shoulder pads at 25 years old and them not be in, like, tatters, right? I have, like, a T-shirt that's a decade old. It looks like it went through a... How many hits has he really taken in that time? Well, that's all a lot of people were saying. But just wearing them, right, for 25 years would seem like it would wreck them. Um, but it was like in the piece, it was like they basically refurbish all of the parts every year, right? It was like, oh, that piece is wrecked. to replace that. But so, it's the same, right. the same base. But it's like, so there's a, an old sitcom in the U.K. called Only Fools and Horses. And one of the guys in it is a street sweeper, right? And he was getting a medal one day for, um, you know, great work for the council because he'd gone been sweeping his beat for like 18 years or whatever it was never had a new broom 
same broom for 18 years. They're like, how, how, could you, how can you go 18 years with the same broom? He goes, well, you know, always looked after it. It's had eight new handles, 12 new heads. Said, well, then how the hell is it the same broom? <laughs> it's not really the same broom. Right. That's Tom Brady's shoulder pads. They're not really the same. They're shoulders. not the same shoulder pads. <laughs> same He's face. changed all of the bits. Oh, what a story. We should, this should be a whole separate video on Tom Brady's shoulder pads. I think so. Mm-hmm. We could dive in further. We'll do a statistical analysis on his shoulder pads. Yeah. So anyway, that relates to the Browns 49ers. Oh, yeah, very closely. Um, so Baker against the Niners. Uh, you know, can the, Niner, the Niners have one of our top coverage grades, number three right now. They come, they're coming off a bye. Don't you love when you get a bye week and the extra day for Monday Night Football? And, you know, is that legit? Can they really cover on the back end? I still well don't. Shown? Yeah, I mean, I still don't think we really know exactly what the 49ers are. But, it, again, try not to, you know, say I told you so after a few weeks of the season. But the 49ers have to feel pretty good about how that secondary looks right now. Because all the way through the offseason, everyone was lambasting them for having one of the worst coverage units in the NFL. Why are they not signing this free agent? Why are they not drafting these guys? And all the way through, they basically said, look, we like the talent we have. It's, it's a young group. It was very inexperienced last year, but we think they're going to take big steps forward this year. We have confidence in them. And so far, at least, that's being proved correct. Witherspoon, in particular, has taken a huge step forward at cornerback. Um, but that group does look like it's coming better, and the 49ers were right, therefore, to focus all their efforts in pass rush instead and forget right. about the secondary because they, had, they believed it would come good. And the pass rush stuff is really working. Nick Bosa looks the player we thought he was. D Ford is at least coming close to backing up the season he did a year ago. He's able to generate consistent pressure. You've still got the 97-3 techs they've got in the middle. So you've got two really good edge rushing presences, plus DeForest Buckner and the other guys up front. They're now one of the better pass rushing teams in the NFL. Yeah, Nick Bosa leading the team with 17 total pressures. You mentioned Akello Witherspoon. He's given up 24.7 yards per reception, but only given up six right. on 18 targets. Six for 18 for 148 when targeting him. 79.3 coverage grade for him. Richard Sherman giving up eight for 13 for only 49 yards. That's six per That's catch. not very many yards. Yeah, so um, we, did, we weren't surprised. So I think our analysis on it was more like, hey, there are a lot of question marks back there. Add some, add some volume, add some bodies back there. But Witherspoon was one of those guys. We liked him coming out of college, had a nice rookie season, had a bad sophomore year, and we were like, well, you just didn't know what to get, what you're going to get out of him you know, in year three. And plus, Jason Verrett has played four snaps. Yeah, right. Four. Uh-huh. Might be more than expected. I mean, he made, he made it to the field. That's more than expected, that right? Kawan Williams. Playing pretty well. So they're doing all right back there. So my big question is, can the Browns' offensive line hold up against what is a massively renewed pass rush for the 49ers? Right. Because the Browns' offensive line is not great. This should be a fun game. I think this will be – this should also be one of the games of the weekend. I want to know – the Browns just looked – just looked better overall last week, right? I mean, there was a lot of – there were penalties. There was just Baker holding the ball too long. There was just a lot of bad football, I think in cleveland the first three weeks last week looked a lot cleaner yeah yeah that's safe to say Mm -hmm. so is this is that the real cleveland browns team or are they going to revert back to what we saw because if it is because if they do start living up to their talent then it's like all right we're four weeks into the season and they're starting to come together last week the big thing was baker getting the ball out of his hands faster um he averaged 2.3 yards per attempt last week massively quicker than he's been averaging 2.3 seconds 
Sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah. Two point three yeah, yeah. seconds per attempt last week. Massively quicker. Seventy six point five percent of his past attempts came out in under two and a half seconds. This is what we were kind of calling for. Right. The opposite of what he'd been trending towards, which is holding the ball too long, bouncing away from clean pockets causing problems on himself because he doesn't trust the offensive line anymore. The way to combat that is to go the other way. It's to get rid of the ball quickly to mitigate the problem that is going to come from your offensive line. So he did that really well a week ago. Can he do it again this week? That's what you like to see, though, if you've got... That's a tough thing about analyzing this stuff. After three weeks, it's like, Baker's holding the ball too long. And that's like, all right, well, they, they adjusted. They adjusted in week four. So let's see if they keep that going against the Niners. And uh, I think they're going to. I'm taking Cleveland in this one. Okay, uh, and you're taking the Niners. I'm I'm going by. Remember the rules I had last year. I just don't see this team being four and zero. I just don't see this team being zero and four. That's my that's my analysis. I just don't see the Niners being four and zero. By the way, I misspoke there. Fifty three percent of his passes came out in under two point five seconds. Seventy six point five was his completion percentage on those, but the average was gotcha. two point three overall. Yeah, it's still a lot. Yeah, a lot faster than what we had been seeing. Yep. So, so there's a lot more of those quick schemed passes in there, which is what we were calling for heading into that week. Shout out to Ben Stockwell, who is, uh, like all of our PFF analysts, working extremely hard, getting through. Grinding the tape? He's grinding it. Those guys grind. It's not just early in the week. It's throughout the whole week. Mm. So Stay shout for out him, to all the guys that are grinding. He's, he's back in, in Blighty. So this is like eight what 8.30 for him. He's back in who? Blighty. What's that? That's Britain, if you're British. Back yeah, in yeah. Blighty. Oh, right. That's what they say. Yeah, yeah. He just, I, mean, I don't think they said that since like the 50s, but that's what they used to say. You're just making words up. Anyway, he's uh, he never sleeps. Good work, Ben. Keep it up. All right, let's go through the uh, Atlanta Falcons at the Houston Texans. I do a little Houston radio hit every week. Oh, yeah? Sean Salisbury show. Uh-huh. Sean's a big fan. I uh, filled in for you last week. You did. I had a quick... It sounded like he preferred me to you. There's no way that Sean likes you more than me. I mean, he, he sounded very, no way. very enthusiastic about it. Sean is pretty enthusiastic, and he likes things. He's good like that. Oh, yeah. But there's no way he likes you more than me. I mean, loves you know, me. a lot of people seem to. Oh, we met back at Radio Row at the Super Bowl. He's a big Steve Palazzolo fan. Oh, okay. That's what he tells me. Has he got a Palazzolo for GM t-shirt? No, but he should, especially when we make this navy blue and say, how hard could it be? That's in uh, Houston. Right. He needs that. Uh-huh. And that's why I'm doing Houston radio every week, just to, you know. Oh, try and get in early. Plant the seeds. Okay. That's why we do it. Fair enough. But my point is, you know, I have to pay extra special attention to Houston every single week, right? Oh, sweet. You can do this part then. Do what part? The whole show. Talk about this this game. Oh. I'll just sit back and listen. Deshaun Watson was really bad on Sunday. And so and then there's two things that are important, right? He took six sacks again. Bunch of them are on him or just um pass protection issues. And so their offensive line hasn't been that bad. But they've got uh protection issues overall as a unit, like who's who's blocking whom, and Watson you know, like when you take a three-step drop, it means you're supposed to get rid of the ball. And when you don't get rid of the ball, for some reason, you got to figure out what you're going to do with it. What you can't do is vacate backwards out of the pocket. Yeah. And he did that for a sack. And then this game was like the, you know how our guys say, you know, defense, dependent on the offense. Mm-hmm. There were two passes. If, if Deshaun Watson hits two passes, he, that's like two for two for like 100 yards and two scores. And all of a sudden, the Panthers' defense doesn't look nearly as good. They go from giving up 10 to 20 and 100 more yards, right? Well, that was his, uh, that was his on-video explanation thing. It's like I had a couple of shots. I missed them. Yeah, but like they like really, shot, like really had some shots, like open shots that he completely missed. Yeah. So um, Watson didn't have a good game, whether it was taking sacks, 
recognizing what was happening up front and just hitting the open throws. On the other hand, Carolina did do a nice job of creating tighter windows. The Atlanta Falcons this week, they were kind of the opposite against the Titans. They were not creating a whole lot of tight windows for Marcus Mariota last week. They were creating some big windows to throw into. So I expect Watson to bounce back a little bit. He's got to start hitting those open throws. The Falcons need to figure this out defensively. You know, because as inconsistent as Matt Ryan has been offensively, like they're still capable there uh, of putting points up. But man, defensively, Atlanta has not been able to cover the last two years, and that's why they fool us all the time. Yeah. The talent's not bad. So what's missing there in Atlanta? Well, particularly if the passing game doesn't get going. Like, okay, they can't cover, so that's a big problem on the other side. But if Matt Ryan isn't playing like Pro Bowl slash All-Pro level Matt Ryan, suddenly the whole thing is in pieces yeah. because everything else is not great. I, like, I should say we're not, we shouldn't be surprised that they're not covering well because, you know, I think, um, you know, opposite Marcus Trufant has been... Desmond Trufant. Desmond, I did that again. Is that the one guy that I think, I think everybody screws that up all the time? No? Desmond? No, I don't think I've ever screwed that up. Yeah, you said Desmond. That's because Desmond is his name. Marcus, you said right. right. Now I'm confusing myself. <laughs> they got true fonts on one side, and we had some big questions about Isaiah Oliver and all the other guys that they were throwing at the other side and in the slot. I can't even. I can't even think who was opposite. But true font, as you meant, you know, he's I was got trying to think who was opposite it. Marcus Trufant back in the Seattle days to make the joke, and I couldn't even think about it. That's how who old was, ago it was. was playing in Seattle back then. Kelly Jennings is that I mean no we're even further yeah. back than that right Sean Springs that's too far no it might be it might honestly be Sean Springs so you got Sean Springs back opposite on one Marcus side. Trufant yeah. and you got uh, Lofa Tatupu well in that's the your middle. problem right there you got Sean Springs on one side the guy's 45 years old yeah you're gonna draft Aaron Curry and he's gonna turn <laughs> things around at Sam the safest linebacker in the NFL yeah in the NFL draft right so he's safe. that's how we turn this thing around a young Brandon Mebane up there now, now, now I'm just confusing errors. Yeah, right. Anyway, you're just naming Seattle players. Anyway, Atlanta um, struggling on the back end. Hey, Marcus Trufant's one of the few players that's older than us. Hey, how about that? He's 38 years old. Good for him. Yeah. Born in 1980. What's he doing with himself? He should be... Uh, I don't know, but I promise he's not playing for the Falcons defense. No. He should be... No. I, I screwed it up. Yeah. What are you going to do? A mm-hmm. couple of times. Uh, so, Atlanta, are they the biggest underachieving team in the league right now? Uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, uh, maybe one of the winless teams is more underachieving than them, but they're certainly in that contention. Yeah. I'm curious to see if their offense, uh, the offensive line in particular, can hold up because that Houston defensive front is still nasty. J.J. Watt is really good. Whitney Merciless has rushed the passer well. D.J. Reader has become like a real impact player for them. Yeah. They're yeah. not missing Jadevian Clowney at all. Um, and that Falcons offensive line is far from, you know, stable right now. So... That would be a worrying thing for me if I'm Matt Ryan trying to get my game together and the offensive line is about to get torn to ribbons by J.J. Watt and crew. Right. And, it, and it's, you know, they, they can't bl- – they're, they're hurting in the O-line. They're hurting in the secondary just in the back end in general. But, man, they should be able to put up more points in, offensively with all those weapons and with Matt Ryan playing in a dome every single week. Yeah. So no snaps for my boy Mingo this year in Houston. Charles Menehue grading really well on his 60 snaps, but he's only played two games. But, you know, they just keep adding to that defensive front Yeah, in Houston. So where are you going with this one? Uh, I think I went Houston, particularly because I don't. Did I, just, I too? I just don't I trust. Clicked off it by accident. Falcons offense. Yeah, I took Houston. Man, I've been – this is when Atlanta bounces back, isn't it? Probably. I can't 
pick Atlanta every single week. All right, let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Carolina Panthers. This is the battle of the two top quarterbacks when it comes to passer rating on 10-yard throws, 10-plus-yard throws. 10-plus yard throws. So 10 yards or more down the field from the line of scrimmage. Some people get confused by that. From the line of scrimmage, 10-plus yard throws. Numbers 1 and 2 in passer rating, Kyle Allen and Gardner Minshew. Wow. As expected. Hmm. It was Kelly Jennings, by the way, opposite Marcus Trufant. Yeah, well, he's not going to At least back in 06. or 07 right right now. But his career, career, I think, does extend into Sean Springs' territory. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it does. So, yeah, we nailed it. Old school Seattle. Well, we nailed it other than getting, you know, the wrong player by a decade. Is this the best Jaguars at Panthers quarterback matchup since Mark Brunel versus Kerry Collins back in 96? Probably, right? I mean, when was like, yeah, has to be, surely. No? Just saying. I yes. don't know. I mean, maybe like David Garrard versus Cam Newton. Did once. that happen? No, no, it wouldn't have happened. No, okay. Garrard was kicked out before that. Yeah, that was a mistake. So that Jags. probably that probably didn't happen. Then. Blaine Gabbert, Cam Newton. They haven't had like Jacksonville has not a quarterback that would make it viable for Cam Newton and anybody like since he came in the league, right? David Garrard didn't face Jimmy Clausen. <laughs> so Gardner Minshew and Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen had a great week two weeks ago against Arizona. Came back down to earth last week against Houston. Even then, made some pretty spectacular plays though. He still did. Yeah, he still. Yeah, he's been impressive been better than expected you know it's all about expectations yeah. and the mustache is just money are you talking about Minshew? yes i said kyle allen i know I'm, I'm i don't know i said and the mustache because we're talking about the two quarterbacks oh, playing right, each other right see so they're also giving out mustaches or something like that too i saw somebody in the locker room wearing one like doing an interview with a mustache i mean is that does that mean like nick Foles is on the trading block or what well this is like these are the questions we pose right if he continues to play like this what do you do yeah um, I suspect what happens is they play that all, oh, he's, he's week to week. And then they just wait for Minshew to have a terrible week. And it's like, oh, he's, he's healthy again. No, you don't want to hurt your future quarterback's confidence. Who? How would you be hurting his confidence? Minshew? By benching him. He's the future. He's, he, that, the dude wears like a red suit and a, a shiny year. silver shirt. When he was in college. He's, that, that, uh, the man that would wear that outfit is not concerned about being benched for a week. So you would play with his emotions because you think he can handle it? Yes. I think Nick Foles can handle the emotions. Well, look. The I, dude I mean, won a Super Bowl that he had no business winning. I'm just saying. Dominated. I, if it was me, I might not. I would probably go to Minshew anyway, right? But I'm just saying that I don't think you have to be concerned about Minshew's reaction to being benched. The guy works out. The guy stretches in just a jockstrap and aviators in the locker room. That's not a man concerned about being sat down for a week. Have you seen proof of that? No, this is just. Nor do I ever I want people to. People are just adding to the legend. I mean, whatever. All of the legend things suggest that that's not a man perturbed by saying, "Take a seat, sir." Nick's starting this week. Jalen Ramsey may not be going again. Again, what's his trade value? Have we broken that down on the YouTube channel a few times? I mean, we talked about it, but what would you do with Jalen? Trade him. He wants out. Just get what you get what you can for him. Yeah, phone up the Chiefs and say, "What's your highest offer?" Yeah. All right. What else are you looking for in this game? Uh, just the, just, just, the just, a, just a mustache. Just a mustache. I'm also, so, you know, <laughs> if people were trying to take some victory laps last week over Leonard Fournette because he ran for 200, might be the least impressive 200-yard rushing performance I've ever seen in my life. See, you um, get, just give credit when it's due. We sound petty if you're going to not give credit. Like Bud Dupree, 
but who you love to trash. Uh-huh. He had a strip sack the other night, and you're going to yeah, say, "Well, it was against Andre Smith, it was against who's a Andre right tackle Smith. who didn't hasn't played left tackle since 2008, and you're just going to take everything away from Bud Dupree. Just give the guy some credit. I'm not taking it away. I'm putting context to what happened. Leonard Fournette's 200 is the Bud Dupree strip sack of running back performances. Yes, it came against Andre Smith, but just give him nice job, Leonard. We said it. We did say it on Monday. It was the closest he looked to LSU. Sophomore year, Leonard Fournette. If I went out there into the parking lot, right, and pulled a giant wheelie bin out there, like a trash can, right, and said, run around it and sack the quarterback, and you pulled a beautiful swim move, went clean around the trash can, and took down the quarterback, would you expect me to give you the same credit than if I'd said, go do that against Joe Thomas? Yeah, but there are different levels of credit. Uh Uh-huh. This is what I'm saying. But the trash can's still NFL NFL player. <laughs> right? Uh, no. Andre Smith's not an NFL player. Somehow somebody is paying the trash can to go out there and protect Andy Dalton's blind side. Let, but that does not mean that you give the guy that beats him credit. Just let people be positive about I am fine Fournette for a for a week. No. He was He had that other eighty yard run when he never should have that one time. <laughs> he was okay last week. I'm just saying that's probably gonna come down to earth this week. Because why wouldn't it? Uh, Carolina's pass rush has been pretty good. They're in the top 10. Jacksonville, Cam Robinson's been getting... There's another guy you could pick on. Cam Robinson getting beat up a little really bit. bad last week. Got to protect, gotta protect Minshew. I'll be looking for that matchup as well. Minshew is uh, sort of more sneaky athletic than I gave him credit for. Oh, jeez. He really was. You see that, that kind of Brett Favre dancing thing? Oh, yeah, I know. Like, there I were some it. moves in there. Right. Not just like... So a lot of these guys, when they're making crazy things happen, it's like just instinctive chaos, right? They're just somehow somehow conspiring to hit the right move at the right time to avoid getting... Like, he was putting actual, you know, legitimate thought moves on people. Like, back up here, guy goes flying by, skit to the left. Like, it was impressive. It was very impressive. I didn't know he was capable of that. That was one of the, you know, that was one of the plays of the game there. Um, I thought, you know, Brian Burns has also been really nice for the yeah. Panthers, too. One of the better rookies, one of the better edge rushers so far this year. Keep an eye on him. He won't be rushing as much against Cam Robinson, but on the other side against, um, you know, the right side. Jawan Taylor struggled mightily with uh, Von Miller last week as well. So keep an eye on all that stuff. See if Minshew can keep it up. See if Kyle Allen can bounce back just a little bit. I know they're 2-0 with Allen. Yeah. So two guys overachieving so far at quarterback. Um, who are you taking here? Carolina. I'm taking Jacksonville. Okay. I can't bet against Minshew. Uh, New England Patriots at the Washington Redskins. What you looking for? So, Gruden came out during this week, Jay, not John, um, and was asked about their plans at quarterback for Sunday. This is the second straight week you're going to give us a quote that is incomplete. But go ahead. And said, we don't have one right now. We don't have one. No plan. This is why people don't trust the media and quotes and all that stuff. No plan. No plan right now. Yes. And then he was joking around, ha, 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 maybe we'll announce it. At 1 o'clock on Sunday. He's being coy. Uh-huh. I am just saying, they. I don't think they have a sensible strategy for this game. It's He's being coy. Either we throw the rookie out there to get murdered, or we throw Colt McCoy out there to get murdered, or that's it. Somebody's getting murdered. Who do you want to get murdered? That's basically what you're looking for in this game. One of those Washington Redskins quarterbacks is going gonna, is gonna to end the game you know, in the back of a trailer. 
<laughs> that's what's going to happen. And it's just a case of which one. Yeah, which I think, you want it to be. Yeah, I think New England's defense is going to be a little overwhelming for Washington's offense. Though, you know, they do have Terry McLaurin. I genuinely don't think so. You know, we talk all the time about when you should put the rookie quarterback in, right? And most of the time, like once you've once you um, once you've got to the end of the useful shelf life of the starter, it's like, well, you might as well put the rookie in because there's no point not at this stage. The Eli Manning, Daniel Jones thing. The only time that's different is if you think him being out there would actually do him some harm. I'm not talking physical harm this time in terms of actually getting broken, mental, but harm. right. Does he get anything out of going out there, being completely confused and owned by a defense that's better than him and more sophisticated than he's capable of dealing with right now and has a stinking game to the point where you may need to bench him within the game just to save him from himself? Like, is there any way that this game can go well for Dwayne Haskins to the point where it benefits them playing him? Yeah, I mean, if they complete a few passes. A few passes? Yeah. Like if he randomly throws for 250 and, you know, completes 60% against a New England defense that, you know, people are barely completing. What if he does that while throwing four right. picks and that being the reason oh, that's they not lose. great. Yeah, right. That's not good at all. Um, yeah. So I think um, not necessarily this game, but Haskins not looking good in his very small sample, right? Kyler Murray, slow start. We've already trashed Trubisky quite a bit the, best. the last two years. Those three guys are interesting data points in the whole one-year starter debate. That's what Cam Newton did as well, right? You had one year of real action for those guys starting. Haskins had one extra game. Trubisky had a few throws the previous year you know, before he started. But like overall, they started for one year. And I think the people who believe in experience for college quarterbacks, like Mayfield being a four-year starter and Donald three years, all that stuff— might come back and be like, wow, these one-year guys are really risky. There were guys that used to swear by that. Like Mark I'm, Sanchez I'm was I'm only interested guy. if you pass, if the guy has more than 30-something college starts. Right. Like, I'm not even looking at the other people. Yeah. Um, here's the thing, though. So, this week, they're playing the Patriots. Almost no way that goes well. Next week, they get the Dolphins. So, you're saying... Don't, don't put Haskins out there. Don't do it to him. He's maybe, put him like, up, maybe garbage time. Look, I, we've said all along, don't, re, don't overreact to one game sample sizes. But they clearly didn't think that he was ready, right? Which is why Case Keenum was getting the starts. They had been f- pushing back against the idea of putting Haskins out there. Eventually, Keenum basically plays so badly that you have to take him out of there for, you know, because so at some point the quarterback's just playing so bad you have to do it for out of principle, if nothing else. So you put in Haskins. Bad things happen, and it's like, all right, so maybe we were right to not put him out there. He wasn't ready, but now you've made the move. You've got to kind of fight through it, but now you're going to face the Patriots. Like that, it, save him from himself. It's not going to go well. Keep him back. Let Colt McCoy take the ass-kicking. Like he's, you know, what difference does it make to him? Um, Wait, is Case definitely out? I think Kino? so, yeah. And then, then, put, then put Haskins in against the Dolphins. Okay, smart. Yeah. Right. Uh, New England offensively, they're looking for a bounce-back game. Uh, Tom Brady coming off one of the worst games of his career last week at Buffalo. Declining. Complete decline by Tom Brady. But there are some, you know, after three really efficient weeks offensively, a disaster last week. That's what happened last year. There were some just really bad games offensively for New England. So um, I think it's important for them to kind of find their rhythm and uh, get back on track here. So we'll see if they do that at Washington. Keenum returned to practice today, which is Thursday, but he was in a walking boot yesterday. So mm, it would it's seem unlikely he plays. But it, like you've got three quarterbacks 
neither of them would, none of them would appear to be a good plan against the Patriots. Yeah. At which point, just send out a sacrificial lamb and keep the guy that might be useful down the line safe. By the way, somebody was saying Belichick's like, oh, they're all playing great, and they're like, oh, liar. Colt McCoy hasn't played, and he beat Colt McCoy beat New England back in 2010. Belichick remembers. I'm sure he does. He remembers yeah. Cleveland Browns 2010 beat him. So we're all taking New England. Bruce is taking the Pats. Hmm. Had to do something different there, right? Uh, Baltimore Ravens at the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've I sense this renewed enthusiasm from Steeler from Steeler Nation here. Oh yeah, after their dismantling of the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday Night Football, that was and Mason Rudolph very depressing has good stats. He does. He does. Have He's got a pass rating over like 106 or something like that somehow now. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what happens here? Well, first thing, he did at least bounce back, right? He didn't, you know, he wasn't great. Mason, Mason Rudolph. Bounced back, for sure. Right. But he wasn't like the, the game before was a grade of 32.9. Yeah. Uh, this one was in the 70s. So that's a pretty significant jump forward. Yep. Now, it's not, you know, 90 or something really good. No, that was, that's a, that was a good bounce-back game. It was good to see. Right. And this honestly, that's the kind of level where, you know, it's against the Bengals. So, again, what was the opposition? But that's the kind of level where if he plays like that all the way through the season, they're okay because they can win games like that, particularly against the Bengals. Um, the problem was if he was going to play, like, against the 49ers every single week. Now you've got real issues, and you're talking about, can we get that pick back from Miami? Look at you talking about the 49ers are like this defensive juggernaut now. I didn't. I was, bought in. I was just saying that if he plays like he did against the 49ers, what a, they were going to be screwed. One of the most intense rivalries year over year. It was years of Flacco versus Roethlisberger. Now you've got Lamar versus Rudolph. And if you remember, we were sitting in the draft room, called the draft room, debating our draft board a couple years ago and there was a serious debate for us the back end of the first round top of the second round serious debate about josh allen lamar jackson and mason rudolph we all we put them all kind of in that mix and i think all of those guys were were guys we were like they've they've got flaws we could see success for them at the next level in various ways allen and lamar completely different skill sets from rudolph but in you know similar but um in their own regard Looking at it through that lens, Lamar versus Rudolph, two guys, same yeah. draft class that we kind of had graded similarly, but so far Lamar's been, I think Lamar's been better. He's, we've hit on that evaluation better than we have, I think, the Rudolph one so far. Yeah. It's so, really early to say, but I'm just it trying is. to. I think it will prove picture. out that way anyway. Yeah. Um, the Lamar thing is, is interesting, though, but because our narrative on him all the way along was there is a path to NFL success. It just looks different than the one for every other quarterback, right? right? You need to actually create something that fits what he does well and doesn't ask him to do things that he doesn't do particularly well. And the Ravens clearly embrace that. They're doing a great job of it. Yeah. And right down to sort of sitting in for the first year or as much of the first year as they could and basically building the thing in, you know, the skunk works in the, the back room while, the off the regular offense was being driven into a into the dirt by Joe Flacco. Then eventually Flacco goes away. You bring in Lamar and you unleash the new offense that you've been working on. Um, like they've actually embraced that idea, but because of that, he'll. I don't want to say he's he's not a product of the offensive system, but he will get help from his offensive system in a way 
other quarterbacks might not, right? And it's because of his skill set. Yes. Mostly. So because you know that this guy has a unique skill set you and you know you have to create this offense around him, everything works together the way it should, right? Which is quarterback working with a system that works with the quarterback, right? Quarterback yep. makes the quarterback executes the system and the system helps the quarterback execute it. When you've got a guy like Rudolph, you're like, well, he's just a he's just a less talented conventional quarterback than some other guys, right? Yeah. He's basically, you know, he's like a Sam Darnold or a Baker Mayfield. He's just worse. So we don't feel the need to do anything special for him. We just plug him into our offense and expect him to execute it. So he doesn't get the benefit that Lamar does, which is we're going to create a bunch of stuff that only works for you. It's the stuff you do well. You will be able to maximize the value of it, and it'll work. It's a beautiful symbiotic relationship. With Rudolph, it's just like, well, the starter's down now, so if you could do what he does now, that would be great. Good luck with that. Yeah. Have fun. And they, that's what you're asking. So They do need to build around Rudolph a little bit more. So they may be like comparable talents, but Lamar is going to be helped in a way that Rudolph never will be because he'll just be expected to operate somebody's offense. Yeah, so he'll never get his own offense built from scratch. They just they do need to do more favorable things for him though. Right. A little bit more play action, a little bit more of all that type of stuff that just makes life easier on quarterbacks, especially if it's stuff that Big Ben didn't love to do. Like they need to do that. Um, they also think they need to take more shots down the field to Rudolph. As much as we've um, laughed at Teddy for his conservatism, yeah. uh, I'm not saying Rudolph is being. I don't know if Rudolph is being conservative as much as they're just yeah holding them in but they have the same average depth of completion which is about three and a half per worst in the nfl but that's lowest in the nfl the big band point is is a great one because he was not, he notoriously does not like to turn his back on a defense right. right he's one of those quarterbacks that doesn't he thinks that if he stops looking at it you know, if you essentially break your vision between scanning it once turning for the play fake Going back to it, it takes you a sec- like split second to reset, right. regather where everybody is, and process it again. He wants to be able to keep his eye on the defense the entire time while he's play faking. That inherently just makes it a worse play fake, right? Yeah. So the idea of, all right, Roethlisberger doesn't like to do that. It's not a problem for you. You turn your back in the defense, yeah, execute a hard play fake, and now we have like way better play action. Yeah, and a lot of Rudolph's best plays in college was you know basic. We're going to run a corner with a dig behind it. You pick one and yep. and throw it right, and let's let's create some big plays. So, um, I want to Baltimore's defense too. Again, I can't. I've say so many things throughout the week. I can't remember if it was here or somewhere somewhere else, but. If the Baltimore Ravens have this, like, you just assume that they always have a good defense, right? Yeah. Even coming into this year. They have not been good the last few weeks, right? That was part of our the anti-Mahomes argument against us. Well, he did this against the Ravens and the Jaguars. It's like, how good are their defenses? You're just going off of... They don't have Ray Lewis and Ed Reed back there. Right. Back in 2017, that would be an achievement. We thought that the Ravens were going to have a good defense. They got off to a good start, but they're not covering or stopping the run. They're not doing anything very well. Yeah. right now so that's a big question mark right now so um all of a sudden though afc north is wide open for non-bengals teams for non-bengals teams they uh the Steelers, that they have that they have this really interesting sort of defensive line up front with stefan to and cameron hayward who were i was talking about this earlier today about jarell casey right it's like jarell casey as with every other year is playing really well but because he's like not even in the same stratosphere as you know an Aaron Donald or the players that are right at the pinnacle, right? Nobody notices. Just completely 
entirely anonymous, right? Underrated again. It's like his ability to be consistently that good is amazing. The Steelers have the same thing, only they have two of those guys. They've got Stephon Tewitt and Cameron Hayward both, again, playing at a really high level. Just, again, you know, a noticeable step down from the very, very best of the league. Right. So people forget about it. They don't get noticed. But that duo is pretty ridiculous. T.J. Watt has really come on. He's genuinely kind of developing into one of the, the best young pass rushers in the NFL. And even Bud Dupree's grading well. Now, okay, some of that was against Andre Smith. Strip sack, Andre but Smith, yeah. he's grading well. Like, even before that game. You're actually he had some good games. Giving Bud some credit. I'm just saying that when you know you know things are rolling well when Bud Dupree is grading okay. Uh, the Steelers have one of the, the what number two pass rush grade, but still one of the worst coverage grades on the back end. So they need to. Bud's got 12 total pressures. It's amazing. And only you know a few of them came against Andre Smith. How many came against Andre? He was one of those guys who flashed for me as a true freshman. He only got a strip sack against Andre Smith. What? Only one. What do you mean? He only got a strip sack against Andre Smith, as we just referred to, is a human garbage can playing left tackle. And somehow... Just give Bud some credit. Somehow Bud only got one strip sack against him. Who are you taking in this game? Uh, I don't know. Who did I take? We both took Baltimore. Okay, there you go. Bruce, of course. Pittsburgh. Hometown Pittsburgh for Bruce and his former team. All right, New York Jets at the Philadelphia Eagles. I see that you're looking for just nothing. Yeah. You left this one blank? Nothing at all. No notes. Uh, there's a quote from uh, Sam Darnold today uh, on playing again. About his spleen? Sort of. Uh, I want to make sure that I'm safe out there and that I'm not going to die. Huh. Seems fair. I say wait another week if you think you might die this week. <laughs> <laughs> I say wait. At least this time he didn't refer all questions from, uh, to his spleen to his coach. Yeah, like, look, if you're talking about my spleen, you're going to have to see Adam over there. He's the expert. Yeah. Um, we've talked a lot about Carson Wentz this week because he is our highest-graded quarterback. We talked about that in the pod, too. Yeah, we talked about it during the Stevenson. Yeah, well, that's the midweek one. The audio people didn't hear that. Yeah, the audio people didn't hear I got that stat, right? If you just take – so Carson Wentz has five big-time throws that have fallen incomplete. Yes. Out of 24 in the NFL. 24 total in the NFL, five of which are Carson Wentz's. So that's over 20%, Sam. Big-time throws, high, highly-graded throws, really nice throws. Dallas Goddard's hands here, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Nelson Aguilar in the lights, all that stuff, right? Really nice throws by Wentz that have fallen incomplete. Last year, the league leader was Aaron Rodgers. He had like seven or eight of those. Mm-hmm. So Wentz already has five. And just those five throws, give him the completion, give him the yardage, give him the Aguilar 60-yard touchdown because he had all this room. He goes from 6.6 yards per attempt, which is bad, to yeah. eight which is like good. fifth or sixth in the NFL and really good. Passer rating, he goes from about 17th or 18th in the league to eighth. So he drops 10 spots on five throws. So, again, not saying, hey, do this for every single quarterback, which we do. We do put this context out there for every single quarterback. This is just an example that five throws over a four-week period can make a huge difference. That, Carson Wentz is playing better than the stats. That's show. the whole point, by the way, with all that. It's the whole point. When we come up with these numbers, it's like, if you did this, do this, it would change this number in such a fashion. And everyone comes back and says, well, just do that for every quarterback then. It would change. Like, that's the whole the point is does. that's what the grade is, right? right? We have done that for all the quarterbacks, and that is why the grade is different to the numbers. We're trying to explain why that is and how those numbers can be changed in a way that happened when you look at the grading. Another way of saying it is um, if you could control the uncontrollable or just change things that are uncontrollable, how would your perception change, right? How would the perception of Carson Wentz change? 
if five things happen differently that, well, he, always, that were out of his control. Yeah, that's always the idea of like, you know, the game winning drive to end the game. If the kicker makes it or not determines whether or not the quarterback is an idiot or a hero. Well, Daniel Jones was a hero because Tampa Bay missed a field goal that one week. Right. But that, that's the percent that, you know, the, the half the Tom Brady, the first half of Tom Brady's career was like, well, no. if Vinatieri misses all those kicks, is anybody even talking about it? That's the way the narrative can change. It's like either no. he's the most clutch quarterback ever because his kicker yes. made all the kicks. Still is. Or his kicker misses all the kicks, and he's just a guy. He's just Jim Kelly. I don't have this. I don't have the Tom hate. Um, no. I'm just saying the perception can change based on things accept. that are completely outside of the realm of the quarterback's control, and that's what we try and grade. I don't accept your analysis on Tom. Anyway, Wentz is playing better than the stats would show. Yes. The other way we do it, you know, just from like Mahomes has the lowest drop rate in the NFL. That'll help. That's like, that's like the inverse of... You know, if, if, you know, five or six more passes are dropped, the numbers change, too. We used that against uh, Trubisky last year, mm-hmm. you know, just to explain. We're trying to explain and add context. We're not trying to create narratives. We're so trying to explain our grades to people. Hmm. Oh, my gosh. Um, anyway, I think the Eagles overwhelm the Jets here. You yes. Know? Yes. All right. We're all taking Philadelphia here, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Minnesota Vikings at the New York Giants. I know what I want to see. Oh, yeah? What do you want to see? There was a point. Of, so Carson Wentz's rookie season, 2016, we're about five weeks into the year, and he was playing a more conservative brand of football, but playing pretty well. Wasn't missing throws and all that stuff. And then he ran into Mike Zimmer, and he was a disaster. It was rookie Carson Wentz against Mike Zimmer's defense that creates pressure and double-A gaps. And we talk about this every week. We talked about it, that matchup against Trubisky last week. Daniel Jones against Mike Zimmer. And if there's been... One of the negatives for Jones so far is holding the ball a touch too long in the pocket, fumbling, ball security. So is he still going to be hanging in there making these throws, or is he going to face a little bit more pressure, unexpected pressure? How's he going to handle it? Even at home, I want to see that matchup. Okay, I like it. What's, what matchup are you looking for here? So what are you looking for? There are rumors swirling that Stephon Diggs wants out of Minnesota, uh, that they may trade him, that, you know, all of these things. He's unhappy. Um and they're going up against the New York Giants defense coverage unit in particular, which is not good. Right. Um, so we have I'm, our thoughts. Right. What's going to happen here? And you know, if you've listened to, um, if you've listened to Stephon Diggs this week, he's been talking to the media, and it's, he hasn't exactly cleared it up. Right. He's like, uh, you know, I. He said he wants to be here. Do the Vikings want me here? I'm not happy. Think, you know, it's. It's not like he's come out and hard and fast and said either, yeah, I want the hell out of here. This is a disaster. Trade me now. Kind of way Jalen Ramsey did. Or, you know, no, I'm happy here. Things are fine. I don't want to go. He's kind of hedged his bets. He's been somewhere in the middle. I'm definitely not happy the same way Adam Thielen isn't happy. And basically nobody on that offense is happy right now. Um, But he stopped short of of saying, yeah, look, I want out. So that would indicate that the situation is salvageable, at least somewhat, right? Right. Now you're going up against the New York Giants. Their defense is not good. And if this was like, this is a game that the Vikings might actually be able to pass a reasonable degree. Are they just going to like throw the ball 15 times to Stephon Diggs, try and pacify him over the course of the game? Does he go one-on-one with Janoris Jenkins, who's given up a passer rating of 102 this season and more than 60% of the passes thrown his way to be caught? I'm just curious to see what that dynamic looks like. Do they go away generally from this run-heavy system that Mike Zimmer is Mike Zimmer's utopia on offense. Do they go, look, things are going horribly wrong right now. 
the offense is a mess when it comes to passing. Kirk Make Cousins, these guys happy. Right. Kirk Cousins is holding on to the ball for an age. Do we say, look, quick passes, get it out of your hands, feed the ball to Stephon Diggs, the guy's miserable, hit Adam Thielen on a few slants, the guy's the best release in the league. Just like do what makes these guys happy and try and get the passing game righted. We'll go back to running the ball later on. Or do they just go, no, I want to run the ball, and we're going to do that until everybody's miserable. They need to pass. I'm still fascinated the fact that wide receivers usually get upset when you've got bottom, like the real bottom-tier quarterbacks throwing you the ball. Well, he is now. Right now, he is. He's not going to stay there. Like Kirk Cousins is not a 53-grade quarterback. I mean, that's not, that's not what he is, right? So he's going to get better. He has to get better. Yeah, but I mean, let's give him credit. Like, this is part of what we do here, right? If a guy's playing better than expected, we say, hold on, he'll come back down to earth. We have to do it the other way for Cousins right now, too. He's playing way worse than expected. He will get better. Right. But how much, how much do you expect the wide receiver to accept that and wait oh, for it? Oh, they don't know. Right. So that's the really problem. They're not playing with like Blake Bortles right no, now. No, but the problem or... is right now they feel like they are. So Stefan Diggs is getting pretty upset. And kind of wants out. To, uh, against Green Bay, he had seven targets and one catch. Like, that's going to piss you off as a yeah, wide receiver. I understand. The week after that, he had three targets against Oakland. Now, okay, because they ran the ball relentlessly and just smashed them. But, again, that's not you're not going to be happy with that. Three targets, three catches for 15 yards. This past week, we got seven of seven for 100. But you can see why the man would be getting upset. So now you have to balance, okay, what is the best game plan, A, for beating the Giants, and B, for not having my entire offense throw a strop and walk out on each other? Because, like, two of the three most important players on this offense are pissed off right now. No, I'd be... And the third one is the problem. Feed the wide receivers early and often. I think that's the strategy. Where are you going with this one, Minnesota? Uh, yeah. That's where I'm going to. Minnesota on the road. Um, it also could be one of those Daniel Jones legend games. You know, they're at home. It's a tough defense. He comes out and drops Danny Dimes on him. We we can't use Danny Dimes. That's terrible. No, no. I I made a snarky remark, and people got real mad today. Because I said Danny really only has two NFL dimes in his career. (laughs) And they've got an actual bobblehead of him standing on a dime. And, look, I don't want to be the guy that stops fun. All right? I don't want to be the guy that stops fun. So have fun with it. Because we are the, we're just the guy that we're we're the guys that bring people back down to reality. You just spent five minutes bitching at me for doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, I know. And that, what? That's why I can recognize it because I do it too. Exposed. I this do it is too. this is hypocrisy of the highest order. I'm trying to get better, huh? Danny Dimes positivity. Danny two dimes. He's got two of them. Yeah, in two games, mm-hmm. it's pretty good. Two big time throws for Daniel. Let's see. We got what have you written about this games. next game? It's in London. Yeah. The London Silly Nannies. What is that? It's from Family Guy. Oh. It's, okay. it's, the, uh, it's the future team in London. Oh, is it? That Neil's probably going to be the, he'll be like GM or something like that. Yeah. Khaled doing all the dirty work for him. Okay. Yeah. You know, the way it usually goes. Hmm. When the Silly Nannies get. This is the start of London. Oakland's like journey around the world. Ethan will be over there. He'll get a job with the London Silly Nannies. Okay. Back back for his to his home team. So anyway, it's in London. Chicago Bears at Oakland Raiders. Yeah. At. Right. It's about as far from at Oakland as you could possibly get. But the Khalil Mack sure. Bowl. Yeah. That's the most interesting thing about this, right? Khalil Mack is, is angry. He's one is he wants to prove a point. You guys shouldn't have traded me. Idiots. Assholes. 
now I'm going to get seven sacks against you. So A, the guy's pretty dominant. B, you've just pissed him off. C, you've still got Colton Miller playing left tackle. Like, this has got drain wreck written all over it. Yeah, I want to, yeah, I'll be looking at Chase Daniel too, obviously. Is he an upgrade over the bisque? Yeah, this is like give him one game before you make that really hot take that's what i wanted to do yeah right everybody in the office on monday was like right are we writing about daniel being an upgrade over over trubisky i was like i don't want to do that after one week no it's too soon let's wait till next week cooler heads prevail (laughs) wait till he torches oakland then we'll talk about chase daniel the upgrade over trubisky wait for a week and a half then we can talk about it so yeah we're just waiting to see how does chase daniel run this offense because he looked pretty good last week against minnesota but at a macro view they still only scored what 16 points yeah i mean so. it's not like he you know torched them but the vikings have a good defense but he it's, made- you know it's not it's not a question that's beyond the realms of possibility right trubisky has been bad enough this year that the bar to be better than him is not set that high right and for years everybody has acted like chase daniel is you know the best backup in the nfl or one of them so that crossover point can't be that far but you know apart just top one of the top backups versus one of the bottom starters there's not that much between those so i don't think it's way of putting it i don't think it's entirely beyond the realms of possibility that right now they're they're a better bet with uh daniel quarterback are you having problems here with your laptop don't worry about it we're good (laughs) because uh it doesn't appear to be operating the way a laptop typically does you get the next game for me showing you my uh, screen for example my screen needs to be at the proper angle well now you've done that and it's just gone black well it's showing you nothing anymore don't you worry about it (laughs) Uh, I'm taking Chicago here, I think. Uh, and, you uh, are, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. let's go uh, Buffalo Bills at the Tennessee Titans. Is that right? You're right. That's next. I memorized it. Well done. Um, which Tennessee Titans team? I don't know. I, I've given up trying to even predict that. Could cluster, be anything. Cluster three quarterback prediction? No Cluster idea. three team? Like, team. The entire Tennessee Titans could be anything. Maybe that's it. Just all mid-tier teams. Don't even try to predict what you're going to see here. Yeah. That's, Allen, uh, is Allen going to be ready to go? I don't know. This is the thing, right? He's he's working his way through the concussion protocol. I think he's in stage four, whatever the hell that means right now. Um, I, it's still right up in the air. What's really fascinating to me, though, is that, again, I, so I'm not going to say that Matt Barkley is better than Josh Allen, right? Because I think that would be untrue for a start. But they they are such dramatically different skill sets that it's a really different proposition trying to defend one versus the other. You've got Josh Allen, who down-to-down efficiency has not been great, but is capable of making spectacular plays both in the air and on the ground um, is dangerous as hell right he's one of those players that I think a defense would hate going against because yeah you just even if you've got to contain the whole game you just know that you're only a couple of plays away you from have to bam. stop you have to prevent like four or five of those big plays every week it's like right? what we just talked about yeah let him get it's like those. what we talked about the the Tyree kill one-on-one versus Jalen Ramsey right you can shut the guy down the entire game but it only takes one lapse and bam touchdown right the same thing with Josh Allen then you have a guy like Matt Barkley, who down to down may be significantly more efficient in terms of operating a conventional NFL offense, but he, would, he doesn't have the big plays in there. Like, they yeah. just don't really exist for him. So I, I'm kind of fascinated. Like, if in a week like this where you don't even know which one's starting, you kind of have to hedge your bets preparing for both. That's it's such a dramatically disparate, uh, disparate duo to be preparing for. So the end. I, I was I was trying to round that up in a nice succinct finish, and I just had nothing, so I just stopped talking. I caught that. I, yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks for drawing attention to no, it. No, no, yeah, no problem. Mm-hmm. So anyway, on the other side, I'm thinking there's two things I really want to see here: 
The Titans have that defense. I always like to use the phrase, make it difficult on quarterbacks. They did that um, last week for Matt Ryan. Uh, they have that ability to kind of scheme up pressure, sim pressure, that type of thing, stuff that has um, affected Josh Allen uh, in, in the past. And then on the other side, Mariota did a much better job of getting the ball out of his hands last week against Atlanta. But this week, can he get the ball out of his hands quickly when nobody's open? <laughs> when the Bills cover extremely well. And I think when you look at sacks, right, we talk about this a lot, it's on the quarterback, but it's also on just the coverage unit. Basically, if you take away the first read as a coverage unit, you're increasing your chance of a sack just astronomically, right? Because then the quarterback has to go somewhere else. You're giving your pass rushers one extra second, one extra half second to win. So this is one of those games where I don't think Buffalo has a great pass rush, but I think their coverage unit could lead to five or six sacks of Mariota if he falls back into this hole, you know, too slow to process. Yeah. Or, you know, can't get through his progressions quick enough. I like it. That's a nice so, point. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome. Um, so who did I take here in this You're game? Tennessee. Tennessee. You, so I'm using I'm using the thought process that I like Buffalo as a team, <laughs> but they don't feel like the team that can be four and one. They just don't feel like a four and one team. Okay. In Buffalo, I'm now, using the thought process at any time I'm trying to pick the Titans right now. It's basically a coin flip. Yeah, I kind of liked Buffalo, so I said, okay, Tennessee, it is. Titans at home. Anyway, Arizona Cardinals. Little Kyler's coming to town here. Coming to Cincinnati. We should little go say Kyler. hi. We should go size him up. How big are you, really? We should, should get try and get a, I was going to say, we should try and get a picture of him stood next to you. Let's go stalk him. With the t- they come in tonight? Tomorrow? I don't Let's know. Let's go. You're what? You're, Not tonight. You're but. listed 6'10", the same way he's listed 5'10". So he's a legitimate flip between the two of you. So that's like here, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's go test it out. Let's go stalk him at the team hotel. Uh, one of these teams most likely will pick up their first win. Yeah. Arizona The, at the odds are definitely in that favor. So who finally wins That one game? of them will win a game. Um, so the Bengals have... No wide receivers anymore because they're all injured. Yeah. Um, John Ross just wrecked his shoulder. A.J. Green is still broken. Like, there's virtually nobody left, right? They've got no offensive line. Like, Andre Smith, the human garbage can, as we talked about, he got hurt, and he was replaced by John Jerry. Billy Price comes in and gets, like, immediate, like immediately makes Tyson Alualu uh, look like Reggie White. Yeah. Like, bam, 1.5 grade sack right off the bat. Like, that offensive line, it was bad when they just had the starting five, and now they're down to backups, like, almost across the board. It's horrendous. Like, through four weeks, the Rams is graded worse, but, like, going into week five, I would be way more concerned yeah, about this, the Bengals' offensive line. This Cincinnati offensive line. And, and if, if Arizona has done one thing well defensively, it's rushed the passer, Chandler Jones. Right. And it's not like they're amazing at well. that, but Chandler Jones should be able to feast on whoever is playing left tackle for the Bengals. Right. Um, and Terrell Suggs is there. Like, they have players that should be able to absolutely victimize this Cincinnati offensive line. So now you're basically talking about, do they just hand the ball off to Joe Mixon 85 times in the game and hope he finds a crease? Like, is Andy Dalton really expected to turn into the ghost of Peyton Manning and just do the whole thing by himself? Yeah. I, I can't see a good, we- a good route through to this offense doing anything. I mean, Dal- Dalton also becomes kind of the, the poster boy for that mid-tier quarterback, and he's probably in the bottom end of mid-tier now. Well, he was the guy that who needs the situation, right? Like, on like Kirk Cousins, right? right? He's got the worst, not the worst situation, but now it's maybe this week it is one of the worst. Yes. Right? Worst situations around him. It's really going to be tough for him to produce. But this would be, if Arizona's offense is going to break out, like it's, I know it's, an away game and all that stuff, but it would have to be this week, right? They should have some opportunities. 
Cincinnati's Bengal. So Cincinnati's defense isn't nearly as bad as it was last year, right? Correct. Maybe not as bad. <laughs> Maybe not. It's not as bad overall. Um, they're still not great, but this would be the opportunity for Arizona to find some plays. They said Andy Isabel is going to play outside where he belongs now. Good. Hopefully they give him some reps there. But this this should be the game where Arizona shows some signs of life, right? I mean, it should be. Um, the Isabella thing is interesting because you would assume that the team would, that drafted him would know what to do with him. It when doesn't you, feel like they do. Yeah. Like, they're basically being forced into playing him because the guys ahead of him on the depth chart got injured. And Christian Kirk's out, right? Um, yeah. The guy that... Well, who do I... Why don't I always forget his name? Trent Sherfield. Yeah, yeah, Trent Sherfield is out, so now it's Andy Isabella, right? Basically just next man up. But you weren't playing him at all before that happened. Like, you're, you're being forced into playing this guy because everybody ahead of him is now injured. And it doesn't... I mean, there's no evidence right now that they understand how to use him. Now... Have you seen, so a couple of years ago, the Saints drafted Michael Thomas, and it was, he really only runs slants and goes, which is fine because we can make that work. The Seahawks this year draft DK Metcalf, and DK Metcalf basically only runs in a straight line really fast. Slants and goes so far this year. Consequently, too, all yeah. he's running is basically in a straight line really fast, right? But it's fine. We'll play him. We've got other players that can run a more complete route tree. We don't need him to run more than that. He's dangerous doing that. If Andy Isabella is nothing but a dangerous deep threat, you should find space to have him on the field and do that, particularly if your entire offense is based off 10 and 11 personnel. Like you, more than any other team in the NFL, has space for a guy whose only job it is to run 50 yards in a straight line down the field, and yet he still wasn't playing. As of now, Isabella has nine snaps on offense and 22 on special teams. Yes, So the only way that makes any sense to me whatsoever is if they've been asking him to do things that he is terrible at, i.e. the Russian pencil theory. I would I would I would look at it a little differently, too, because in the preseason, they lined him up in the slot. Mm -hmm. But the way they were what mistake, but the way they were using him wasn't the worst thing in the world. It was all verticals. They run a lot of verticals with their slots, which is fine. So they're running slot fades and back shoulders and all that stuff. And remember, we sat here and we said all of his positives and negatives came out here he got you know locked up on routes and he didn't handle press but he got behind the defense that one time yeah and it was great so i think if you're an offense sometimes coaches i think they focus on and this is kind of against what we do at pff they focus on well there's all these plays that aren't that good but there's those three where you can get behind the defense or whatever it is and create this big play i think with a guy like him at wide receiver when when you have four wide receivers on the field you can handle him not getting open all the time if he's gonna Get behind the defense one time and, and be, well, I think and that's be the way, a big play threat. That's the way you should be thinking of it. I think often coaches are too focused on what a guy can't do to and, put them on the field. And there are some things that he'll, I think, struggle with. What he said early in the NFL, we still had him as a really high, highly graded wide receiver in the draft. Remains to be seen if he can do that. So, you know, he should have some opportunities here. I mean, I'm, that's a huge thing, I think, to watch for is how they use him. What does he run? And is it's successful but at draft time we said do not he is closer to brandon cooks than he is danny amendola yes. don't make him a danny amendola shifty slot looking guy make him brandon cooks outside vertical threat who's going to disappear sometimes I was, the coach that was in the other day who i was talking to some other coach actually talking to like a brandon cooks and these deep threats that just kind of like disappear every now and again and cooks has that in like, has that in him isabella could be the guy that like disappears a little bit but then has that game where he creates some big plays so See what happens here. That's what I'll be looking for. Okay. Get Andy involved here. Who are you taking? For some reason, I've taken the Bengals. 
I don't like guy. that at all. I'm taking Arizona. Yeah, I like yours better than mine. Because my analysis talking you into it. No, I don't think it is that. I, I think that I, I just hate. I, the doctor's more, calling me. Do I take this? No. I know we're live, but. No, no we, don't, we don't listen to the doctor. Dr. Eager? Doctor can walk in here if you need something. Eric. He's in the building. In. I don't know if he is. I think he might need a ride home or something. Well, then he, he can go? still wait. Did he go home early? I don't know. I'm curious. I want to know what he. Well, wait. It's unprofessional for yes. me to answer, right? Okay. I if won't he answer. wants us, he can enter the podcasting room. Dr. Eric Eager, Live if you need air. us, you can come in and, and talk to us. He might not be here. He might have gone home early. Well, then definitely screw him. All right. You're if right. you okay. left early, I, you don't do that at PFF. Stay late. But he went with Neil. Neil left early, too. So it's okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Denver Broncos at the Los Angeles Chargers. What you looking for, Sam? Well, so last week I wanted to see how they divided up the running back split. We only screwed that Melvin up. Melvin Gordon was only available for emergency situations, yeah. apparently. No emergencies at Miami. This week we get to see how they divide up the running back split. And this week it's even more interesting because Austin Eckler is basically the best graded running back in the NFL right now. Uh, he's right up there with Dalvin Cook. Like, amazing, against, uh, amazing running the ball, amazing as a receiver. And now you're going to be like, all right, thanks, Austin. Take a seat. Melvin's back. Yeah. Which would seem harsh to me. This was another interesting, you know, coach discussion that I had. We were watching. Uh, this is this might have to be like a new jar for you. How many I times was I talking said to that? a coach this week. I just like when people agree with this me. This is at least like six times in this podcast. Well, he really liked Ronald Jones. How do you like that? He yeah. liked the game that he had. He yeah, we well, had a that. good game. But we were just talking about running backs, and we just said, um, and he was like, man, I just want to see them make people miss. I just want to see them do something above and beyond I was like, well, that's our, that's our running back grading, essentially, yeah. right? So Eckler has quietly, as a runner, and especially as a receiver, just gone above and beyond expectations with the ball in his hands. That's why he grades well. Yeah. I tweeted out the other day his stats. He's caught all 24 of his targets. He's forced the most missed tackles as a receiver, has three touchdowns. So, yeah, he still needs to be a big part of this offense. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they need to genuinely think about what that breakdown looks like because obviously Melvin Gordon is a really talented back himself. Um, but Eckler wasn't just, like, even last year when it was Melvin Gordon having a really good season, Eckler looked good in the role that he carved out for himself. Like, he was he was right. earning himself a larger role in the offense anyway. And now that Gordon was down or gone, he basically was a, you know, the complete workhorse and didn't suffer any kind of drop off whatsoever. His production was exactly as good as it's ever been. In fact, if anything, he looked better. So now it's like, well, what do you do with that? You have two really talented backs now, one of whom is already dominating this season. Like you can't, you can't go back to being Melvin Gordon for 85% of the snaps and Austin Eckler, whenever Melvin needs a breather, that would just like, that would be genuinely unfair to Eckler. Um, I don't think would actually be doing you any favors on offense. Like, I don't think you're better doing that. So, I mean, this should look more like a 50-50 split of, you know, just platooning the backfield. How about some, some 20 personnel? Two backs, three wide receivers, no tight ends out there? Nobody's going to do that properly, though. I think New England's one of the teams that can do it when they, didn't, when they don't have a tight end to actually play with. But most teams, you want to have the tight end there because you do have more of that. Are they going to run? Are they going to pass? Usually, if you put two backs out there, it's like, well, it's not like Melvin Gordon's going to play fullback and lead block or anything like that. But in passing situations, he can do stuff like that. So, Okay, I just discovered what the doctor wanted, by the way. Oh. Apparently, Neil's wife needs back in the building, and Eric's not here. Oh, I'll go get her. No, don't do that. Someone else will deal with it. Oh, okay. Sorry, Claire. Yeah. Public apology to Claire. You can't get in. Yeah. But this is, these are the things that happen when you're live on, on That's air. That's live. Yeah. Look. Ethan, 
Your mom's trying to get into the building. <laughs> you can go get her. Whatever you... Just go. You can do it. This is high-level podcast. See if we can content. handle this without him. This is so professional. This what if he breaks it? And don't touch a button now, because the, the guy that runs this thing has just left. Are we still live? He just left. Yeah, yeah. Don't, a- don't touch anything. Okay. Okay. When the networks come calling, we'll clean this up. Yes. yes. Like the professionalism, we'll clean it this up. This will but be for edited, now, edited to perfection. It's our own YouTube channel. We could do this. So we anyway. We're just having um, some fun. What did you, you wanted to see nothing in this game, according to you. No, no. I just I thought of it. It's, it's for the Broncos, is there going to be a fire sale? If they lose this game. <laughs> During the game? Probably not. I want to see the last time. Is, it the, is this going to be the last time we see Emmanuel Sanders, Chris Harris? <laughs> we, are, is this the last time we're going to see some want, guys in Broncos so uniforms? I want to see them like line them all up in, in the center field at halftime. Just like an auction. Like these guys, <laughs> low, low prices, they're all gotta, they all got to go today. So this is the final time you're going to see them in a Denver uniform. Do I hear a second round? Second round? I'm looking who, for a second rounder here. We'll give you a fifth round. for Emmanuel over here. Fifth round? Got it. Got it. Lady over there is offering a fifth, Steve. Well, the Chargers are going to have the first bid. Who will beat it? Who, who will give me fourth? Can I hear four? Can I hear four? What if the Chargers are like, man, we could use Chris Harris. We're just going to yeah. come on over. It's just, I'm telling you, they're going to line them all up in midfield. There's going to be a guy with a mic in the PA system just auctioning them off. Yeah. Telephone bidders for the other 31 teams. We've got a second on the phone. We've got a second on the phone. So Joe Flacco, of, of all of the issues in Denver, Joe Flacco hasn't been at, you know, he's been all right. <laughs> middle, <laughs> mid, middle of the road quarterback, uh, 15th or 16th in our grades. He's been all right. <laughs> Everything else has been not good, but it's just they don't have a good, they don't have a good roster. I, yeah. I, I was not very bullish on them coming into the season. So I think they're, do they flip into rebuilding mode and just try to stock up on draft picks and, and it, see what happens? That's what I want to see here. It's interesting because they should, right? But I think they should. They don't feel like a team. I don't know if the, the decision makers in Denver feel they have that luxury. You know what I mean? Like there's some teams you're like, okay, clearly we're in rebuilding mode now. Let's blow it all up. Let's start True. over. And everybody's happy with that. Denver doesn't feel like a team where the people in charge feel like they have the necessary um, like standing to be able to say, right. Yeah, you know what? We need to destroy this whole thing and rebuild. It's going to take a couple of years. Bear, I mean, bear with us, please. The group did come into the season saying, hey, this looks like this is, this is you know, peak Joe Flacco. This is the guy. I mean, this is the same Joe Flacco that, which could be true. To be fair, Flacco's played better than he played for a long time. But it's, it's also not, been good. not assessing the fact that even peak Joe Flacco wasn't that good. That's the problem, Outside right? Of it's like, yeah, of a run. he's probably better than everyone thought he was going to be, and it's still not good enough Yeah, for anything you want to do. Yeah, so that's, what's the plan? That's why I was not loving the Broncos the, coming into the year. Yeah, and like their defense has taken pretty significant steps back um, when you consider like their head coach now is Vic Fangio. Like That wasn't yeah. supposed to happen. It was supposed to go the other way. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Did we... Did we screw up Vic Fangio analysis? Well, the other thing I wanted is, to give him a ton of credit for what happened in Chicago. Apparently, they don't they maybe, don't need him so far. Maybe, but then we also don't really know like how much of this is him versus how much of it is you know position coaches dealing with all this stuff. True, and he's how much, yeah, is, how much is he really having to? This is his first time as a head coach right. and dealing with everything instead of just the defense. So I agree with you. I think in abstract terms, this is a team that should look at themselves and say, yeah, they, like that's auction off strip this thing for parts sell off the components rebuild the thing from the ground up i just don't think that anybody in that building thinks they can get that done whilst maintaining their own job right so we're all taking the chargers in this one
And then to round it out, round out the show, Sunday night football. Yeah. The Indianapolis Colts at the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. Um, what the hell has happened to Frank Clark? I don't know. We've Where kind is of posed that question a little bit. Yeah. And it's not changing. No. He's still AWOL. Yeah. It's, he had it's, a couple more pressures last week, didn't he? It's like time to organize a legitimate search party for him. Like, where is he? Why is he not? Like, you know, again, we've made this point that Frank Clark was never the superstar that everyone was making him out to be. Mm-hmm. He's a very talented player. But, but he's not, better than this. Right, but he's better than this, which is completely anonymous through the first four weeks of the season. Um, and now he's going up against, you know, a couple of pretty decent tackles. Uh, Costanzo was our all-pro first quarter left tackle. Braden Smith is a pretty good right tackle, you know, reasonable young player. But this is the, Frank Clark is supposed to be able to win on the edge, and he isn't right now. What do we have him for uh, numbers-wise here? It's not good. It's not good at all. Sorry. Bad podcasting as I look it up. Let's talk about Patrick Mahomes. Well, particularly if your uh, laptop's going to start flickering and not showing No, no, stuff. it's working. It's um, working. The Colts have problems in this game in terms of injuries. They are... On uh, PFF Premium, I know... Uh, when you just go control F Frank on yeah. the first page, uh-huh. he's not there. Okay. And there's 50 edge defenders there. Yes. And then when you move it to 100, you go control F <laughs> Frank. Oh, he's at 100. 100. Ah, okay. Out of guys with at least 20% of the top snap total. So what's this grade? 54.7. Eight pressures. Yeah. A sack hit and six hurries. That's not good. It's not good at all. And two catches allowed in his six coverage snaps. Well, that's also a problem. Nobody really. Nobody catches um, the Colts are without T.Y. Hilton and Darius Leonard. Well, well, they might not be without them, but neither of them practiced Thursday, which is usually curtains for playing on Sunday. Yeah. Um, so that's two potentially pretty massively significant players for the Colts to be without. Just in total pressures, Frank is uh, tied for 59th with Rasheem Green and Kerry Hyder and Vinnie Curry. Well, that's a lot better than 100th. 59th. He's played uh, 225 snaps though that's the other thing i think he's played is like basically as much as anybody on that defense 19th in the nfl yeah just pass rushes he is ranked 14th tied for 14th so by comparison zadarius smith green bay yes free agent signing also number 55 right has this both have 139 rushes smith has 23 total pressures frank clark has eight so yeah just put into some context here he has not been the best pickup so far no um so now you have jacoby Brissett mm-hmm. going up against system quarterback patrick mahomes how do you think that's going to shake out what happened this week with the system quarterback thing why do people misunderstand stuff so much i think because a lot of people are stupid to be honest come on come on we got millions of listeners here we don't want to lose some. i'm not saying there's, like, a, there's a chance that some of our listeners our listeners are smart people oh, okay. that's why they listen to us i'm just saying a lot of people out there are stupid so not the millions listening no. here but some Look, other okay our fans are very smart but yeah. a lot of people out there in the general world are very very dumb and you know you don't need to go far to see evidence of that and you found them i i don't i didn't find them mike found them right um, mike renner went on good morning football and at some point, they asked him about Patrick Mahomes and the fact that we do not have him right now graded number one in the NFL. Mike said that. And he said, I think we need to be talking more about how this offense is scheming people up at a greater rate than we've ever seen. You know, he has more throws to people with greater than a step of separation than, you know, anybody. Um, and, you know, laid out this thing. So they posted this social media clip. It's like 37 second clip of his like 10 minute segment. Right. Which some guy wrote like a giant article saying PFF says 
Patrick Mahomes, a system quarterback, and wrote like a whole article debunking something we never really said in the first place. So I don't know. For some reason, that just abnormally irritated me today. Like, there are people out there. Yeah. The guy that wrote this has got, like, editor and debate coach in his bio, right? It's like that has a complete and total lack of journalistic integrity. Like, right. y- you know. Yeah, I agree. You might want your clicks, I like but I would be embarrassed to, to write something that was that lazy to just go, oh, he said that in 37 seconds. So that must, I'm just going to come up with the most, like, superficial way of presenting that possible and, I, and debunk it as a straw man argument. Yeah. Let's, do, let's not crush so, it too much. System like, quarterback, so Mahomes. Mahomes, the reason why the we, we did this last week, we responded to Shannon. I think we laid it out pretty well. He's got four really bad fumbles so far. He's missed a higher percentage of throws than he did last year when he only had the second lowest percentage of yeah. negatively graded throws in the NFL. So, uh, and it's interesting when you sort of articulate the arguments and then you see what people come back with, it makes you right, understand how you could present it a little bit better. So one thing somebody kept saying was, well, you know, the, the pressure is all around and blah, blah. And it's not that, fum- it's not that um, like, taking, the fum- taking the sack was, wasn't the problem in those plays, right? It's, there's a lot of plays, as we tried to point out, where, where a fumble is not necessarily a quarterback's fault, right? If, right, I'm in the throwing mode. you never see the pressure behind you yeah. and a guy just swipes your arm blind, not your fault, right? You never had a chance to see it coming. If your left tackle is whooped or your right tackle and you get absolutely obliterated by the from right the blind side that you never saw coming, the ball could just blast out. You, you weren't expecting a giant hit, right? But at the point where you appreciate pressure is imminent, you know you're about to get hit, and you still try and do too much and don't secure the football, that's on you. Those are the ones we downgrade badly. Right. right. Then, you know, another one of these plays, it was, it was fourth down or third down or whatever. You had to try and make a play, get rid of it, right? But at some point, again... Sure, you've got to try and make something happen, but the thing that you made happen was bad. Yeah, so, like the sacks, like the sacks, not the worst thing in the world in some of those situations. If you keep the ball, once right. you lose it, okay, that's a bad play. So those are the couple things that we brought up. Um, I mentioned he was missing a higher percentage of throws than he had last year, but it's not showing up on the stats. And then the drop rate thing, right? Highest or right? lowest drop rate. And this isn't to say like, oh, why would you assume? It's just one way of saying if you just. And the scheme, if you just stuff, take right? away a couple completions, he is throwing to more open receivers. Perception changes, so it's all of these things rolled together. Is is the difference between like is the difference between leading the NFL, which is what his conventional numbers do, and top five, top six, right? And so now Mahomes is awesome. We agree. Yes. We think he's spectacular. The, the new Aaron Rodgers, big time throws left and right. Yep, spectacular. Must see TV every single week. Will I thought probably be in the top couple of players in PFF grade by the end of the year. Right, and if you just if we just do grades over the last two years, it's like Mahomes, Breeze. I mean, they're right. But right now, there are a few things that all rolled up together can explain why he's instead of being first, sixth, which is where we currently have. I think him he's even higher than that. Is now, he now? He? I don't Where's know. He now? He's got a rushing fumble. So that anyway, whatever. He's, it, that's the difference between number one and like top five, top six is a few different things all being rolled up together, all of which the grading accounts for. It's fifth and passing grade. Right. Yeah. That your conventional numbers don't. Plus, that's he all, hasn't faced the Dolphins like Philip Rivers and Dak saying. Prescott, right? So there's no, you know, it's all it's all in there. So Kansas City's awesome. Yes. The offense is great. Mahomes is still awesome. Um, Detroit did a, so this the difference between last week and this week. Detroit did a really nice job as best they could against the Kansas City offense. They were playing a ton of man coverage. That's what they do. But now Indy, zone-heavy team. We saw them play in the playoffs last year. It'll be a different game, right? So in theory, there shouldn't be as many big play opportunities for Mahomes in Kansas City, and it needs to be a more patient Mahomes, right? So just make 
good throw after good throw after good throw, maybe in the short and intermediate range, and then you know take the shots when they're there. It's just a different dynamic and let's see if he can play the patient game this week against indy because they're not going to want to let the ball behind him are you saying the blueprint is now available for beating the kansas city chiefs did i say that no No. that's what people read though because you know yeah i said the the colts have what it takes to beat the chiefs and hold them to 10 points okay that's what that's what's going to happen here Hmm. um this is one of those games if it gets into i mean kansas city accidentally scores 27 (laughs) right like on their worst days, they score twenty four. They right. score twenty seven. Whatever. Well, this, so Brissett's got to. He's got to make some throws. Yeah, you're basically at this point heading into this game saying, "Okay, Jacoby Brissett, you need to be more aggressive than you typically are because there's virtually no possible way we can keep this score low enough so that your typical conservatism gets it done." Right. Like this. Fine. In a general sense, that's okay. That works for us most of the time. We can work with that. Not this week. This week, you need to go out there and pretend. You're, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick. You just need to be YOLO balling left and right because that's the only way we win this game. That's what you're going to tell him? You have to, right? You can't. I I genuinely think there has to be some scenario where you're like, look, 90% of the time we are fine with your brand of conservatism and low-risk football. But this week, that does not get it done. And we know it doesn't get it done going in. So we're going to need you to be way more aggressive this week. And if you throw an ugly pick because of it, that's fine. That's on us. It's yeah. our fault, right? We're telling you to do this. We need you to be more aggressive. So go out there and just start slinging it. And you just have to live with the fact that that's probably going to Like what Stafford turnover. did last week. Against right. I, that's the only way to do it because it's like that idea of, you know, when you're the underdog, you have to play more aggressive because if you play conservative, Correct. you just right. lose because they're better than you. Um, so th- that's the same idea here. The Chiefs are probably going to score 30. At which point, the only way we win this game is if you score more than 30. And if you play the way you typically play, that won't happen. Jacoby. Justin Houston revenge game? Justin Houston revenge game. <sighs> Every preseason, we try to like use the preseason for something, and we were on here like, hey, the Colts are trying to play more man. They're going to do it. Didn't it's happen. Second, yeah. second most zone in the, uh, in the NFL so far this year. Why do teams do that? They might have just spend the entire preseason playing man coverage. And then just know. go back. I think, I mean, it might, maybe they're stealing the old, the whole Belichick thing. Like, you don't really know what your team is, and you're, you actually use training, not so much, you use training camp and preseason not to hone in on what you want to do, but what you think you just try what you can do, see what you can do. Can mm-hmm. we play man? Are we I equipped? Guess. Maybe they didn't cover as well as they thought they could. I don't know. But we're all taking Kansas City, Sunday night football. Yeah. Maybe they're going to pull out some cover one this week. Maybe. Against the Chiefs. Can they, do they try to duplicate Detroit's game plan? We will see. There's a lot to watch. Week five in the NFL. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll be back on Monday. Yep. Reviewing the entire week. Don't forget uh, podca- uh, PFF. Podcast at PFF.com. Podcasts. Plural. At Multiple PFF. podcasts Dot at PFF.com. Send us the screenshots of your PFF Elite purchases, and we'll get Sam to sing in a little bit, in Elite, that's what you need. Where all the grades we're using, that's that's what you guys would have access to with PFF Elite, so go check it out. Also, song suggestions. Oh, yeah, suggested songs. Mm. What do we want Sam to sing? How about just a nice little national anthem? I don't know our national anthem. It's in Irish. I don't know the words. No, no, American no, national I'm not singing your national anthem. Come on, man. You want to... It's like your third year here. Like, come on. I'll do that when I do the citizenship thing. Ooh. All yeah. right. Now, nah, like, it'd, it'd be too presumptive right now. In like 10 years. Yeah, yeah.
Yeah. Right Sam now, becomes be... a citizen in 10 years. We'll yeah. get to hear him sing the national anthem. But until then, give us some other songs for him to sing. I hear music in my ear. I think we're out. I See you guys. Everyone in the booth just disappeared. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL.